Welcome back to episode five of Reminisce with Jaden. We're very lucky today to be joined by uh, my club captain and, and good mate, Lou McDonald. Thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries, Jaden. I've uh, been patiently waiting my invite. I didn't know I'd be fifth or sixth up, so pretty pretty excited to be here, mate. Yeah, you probably were a bit stiff to be to be this late, but <laughs> we've got you on eventually. And um, I thought it'd be a good way to start rather than giving you an introduction just to sort of let the people at home know the character you are, I suppose. And um, to me, at least my opinion of you is that you're one of the most authentic and, and genuine people and you show genuine care for those around you and um, you bring joy and happiness everywhere you go. You're always making people smile, making people laugh. And I think I can speak on behalf of the whole team, maybe not a couple, but I would say you're probably the <laughs> most- a couple. Yeah, there's probably a couple, <laughs> but you're the most liked person within our four walls by a long way. And uh, that's a testament to you and your character. Oh, thanks for those words, mate. Yeah, it's it's been funny. I've always, um, the one thing I've always tried to be um, throughout my whole footy career and, and life, I suppose, and learned this from my dad, is just always be yourself because it's too hard being anyone else. Um, and yeah, I've always, always, I think the footy clubs are the best place to be yourself too because I think as well with our club in, in general, like, Ever since, um, you know, I've got there, you've always been able to be yourself and, and no one's going to bring you down. I mean, you look at some of the characters at our club, like, you know, like guys like Eddie Ford, like they genuinely light up the, the locker room just with their personality. And I feel like that's why, um, though it's been a tough couple of years on the field, we've been able to stay really close off the field just because blokes can come in, be themselves and, and try to get better. So I uh, appreciate the words, mate. I couldn't agree more. Obviously come across from Collingwood and, I would like, I would say they're a lot more of a, of a business. Uh, there's a hierarchy, whereas you come into North Melbourne and it's a big family club. You've got Carly and Janet who, who do everything for you. They're like your mums yeah. at the club. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling uh, being in there. I thought a, uh, a good way to start would be to give you five questions, um, sort of you deciding the character of our teammates. Yeah. So we did it yesterday. I'm not going to try and claim this is my idea. We did it yesterday yeah, yeah. as a little bonding activity with the AFLW girls, but I'm going to ask you five questions and you've got to tell me which teammate this applies to. Alrighty, no worries. So we'll start with who's got the biggest white line fever? Well, there's a few. I mean, you think straight of Zerha, Cam Zerha, I mean, but he's, he's. I think he, I don't think it's white line fever. He's, he's like just that got that fever 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that um, comes to mind straight away is um, Liam Shields, pup, like, He's just honestly the nicest bloke you'll ever meet off the field. And then when he gets on the field, he's lippy, he's scragging, he's dropping the elbow in blokes. Like he's just an animal. So um, I reckon like he's one that you probably wouldn't normally think of. Uh, but he, when I think of White Line I think of him. But there's always, there's always a fair few boys like that. I think it might be a Hawthorne thing too because Dan Howe, he is the quietest bloke in yeah. the locker room. And then he's out there and he's into the umpires. Oh, yeah. and- I've never seen anyone into the umpires as much as Howie. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, very true. Must have been a Hawthorne thing. But um, yeah, they're both just animal competitors, aren't they? Yeah, no, I agree. The next one is if you're going out for lunch or coffee, which teammate's most likely to leave their wallet at home? Well, there's a fair, fair list at North, I reckon, of <laughs> folks who would, who would do that, especially when I'm around. Um, I mean, obviously you think you're Aiden Bonners. Um, he's, he's a fair chance to do that. Um, oh, geez. Nick Larky? Yeah, look, Larky. Depends what it is. You know, it depends what it is. If we say Larks, I know that if he's listening, you'll, this will really upset him too. <laughs> but uh, we more say that just to annoy him. But Bonzi's, Bonzi's yeah, he's probably notorious for that, so... Bonds is the one. Next we have who loves himself a little bit too much, spends a little bit too much time looking at themselves in the gym. Oh, well, like, 
this is probably the easiest ever, <laughs> Curtis Taylor. Like, she yeah. whiz. They're like, the amount of time he spends doing his hair in the mirror. I mean, he's, he's a good-looking fella too, so nothing wrong with it. But he, he, he know he's a good-looking fella and he knows he's a good-looking fella, which you got to respect. You do, and we can't we can't all look like that, <laughs> oh, unfortunately. <we> unfortunately. We've got to do with what we've got. <laughs> That's it. Gotta who, make do. Who is the funniest teammate at the club? Oh, funniest teammate at the club. Uh oh, there's just so many different blokes in different ways. Like Eddie Ford, he just makes me laugh. Just like just just from being himself, he makes me laugh. But then even like even as someone a little bit funny, like we usually get him up. Well, we used to a fair bit before I got injured was Jackie Marnie, just get him up to tell a gag. I think he's someone who flies a bit under the radar because he doesn't back his humour as much. But, um, but no, nah, he's he's funny. Um, yeah, geez, who else? I mean, I just can't stop thinking of 40. 40 just makes me laugh. <laughs> and, and and Bond as well. Bond's funny. Like I've heard there are – so obviously we have odds and evens um, gym groups and I'm odds, you're evens. I've heard the evens group just goes off with Bonzi and <laughs> 40 and Sov and just running amok. So whereas the evens are a bit more down to business. Yeah, yeah. No, they are very fun in the gym and but they they bring people along 40 man when he's he's out there and he's one of those blokes too where he's doing bench press and rather than just like pushing and you're wincing he's there going boom yeah boom, and, he's oh, like, no. and he's cutting shapes as well yeah. all the songs and oh yeah he's he's a funny man so um yeah it's gonna like the longer he gets in the career the more uh confident he gets i reckon the more people are going to see his personality and love it yeah, for sure. And his footy's gone up another yeah. level this year. He's been great since coming into the side and Absolutely. Uh, hopefully he stays in there. The last question um, that we have is who is the biggest coach's pet? Who is the biggest coach's pet? I mean, it's hard It's hard to go past guys like Harry Sheasel. I mean, just because like everyone loves him. Like how could you not love him? Like he's he's probably he's probably the one I think of. Um who would you say? Who would you say the biggest coach's pet is? It's been a bit different this year. This year, I don't know if there really is one, but uh, certainly Jaisa in the last two years, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Jaisa, I mean, everyone, everyone loves Jaisa. He just yeah. works so hard. So um, especially the last couple of years, you'd say Jaisa. But uh, a lot of the coaches' pets are, are the good players because the coach <laughs> loves them because he needs them. So it's probably fair enough. Yeah, 100%. And you were saying before how obviously when you came into the club, it was great. Uh, you actually came to the club when you were about what, four or five because your old man – Run us through what your old man achieved. Yeah, so it's pretty. Uh, I pretty much was brought up. I uh, was brought up in footy clubs. So um, dad, dad played 155 games for North um, throughout the 80s and early 90s, and then he uh, coached, uh, coached and played at Werribee and played in a premiership there. Then went to Box Hill um, and was um, coached there, and then he. Then I, oh yeah, I was born in, in 95. So when dad was first at Box Hill, so um, yeah, some of my earliest memories are just like going down to um, Box Hill City Oval and just being the mascot. I was a mascot in the 2001 <laughs> um, premiership win for Box Hill. Uh, and then in 04, he took, uh, he he went to Hawthorne as an assistant and uh, Peter Swab stepped down the last five games and dad actually took over as caretaker coach. So I remember like coming home from school actually and like seeing dad all over the news and I'm just like, <laughs> egg was this, like my dad's a coach of an AFL team. Uh, and then uh, it was actually funny because after that year, it was down to um, dad and Clarko for who was going to be the Hawthorne coach from um, 2004. So um, I think they made the right decision in the end going Clark. I think he's, he was all right at the Hawks. So um, from there, dad went to North and um, yeah, he's he's been at North ever since in a number of different roles, um, footy manager. And when I sort of come over, come to the club and it looked like I was going to get picked up. He didn't want to, 
he didn't want to be involved in footy because he just didn't want to make it awkward for me. So he um, he stepped away into commercial and um, I got drafted. But anytime I ever like stuffed up or got in trouble, mum would remind me that um, that uh, dad dropped about 150k in changing jobs. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it's yeah I've been so lucky to grow up in footy clubs and um, yeah to grow up around North and then to be playing at North and now to be uh, co-captain alongside Jaiza. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy when you look back at it all. What I took out of that was that uh, if the coin flip had landed the other way, Donald could have been a four-time premiership coach. Yeah, really. Well, that's what he likes to say. He likes to call himself the concreter because he, <laughs> la- he laid the plans for the Hawks just to build the empire. So, uh, but uh, yeah, he, um, he was, he loved, he lo- he's always loved coaching and he's coaching, um, he's coaching now actually in the Vaffer at Old Trinity. So back in my, uh, my old school. So yeah, he's, he's always had that eye for just coaching and, and yeah, I think it's just because he's such a, per- a people person, just loves bringing people together and getting the most out of people. And he's also got probably the best name in the AFL. Like we've got to touch on that for yeah, a little bit. Probably, Donald McDonald is. We probably skipped over that. Uh, <laughs> he's extraordinary. Yeah. So for people who don't know, yeah, my dad's name is Donald McDonald. So, <laughs> and the thing that goes alongside that is like, there's about in like our family tree, there's like 10 Donald McDonald's in a row and then got to me. So obviously my grandpa's name's Donald McDonald. He was adamant that I had to be Donald McDonald, and Dad was adamant I had to be Donald McDonald. And then Mum's like, "There's just no way. There's no way I'm letting my son be named Donald. Your name is horrific." So yeah, so she won, and I'm Luke Donald McDonald. But like, it created a genuine like rift between Mum and my grandpa for like a couple of months because my grandpa was just filthy because it'd been like just centuries of Donald McDonalds and. Now, um, now I've ruined it. But my uh, my wife Brooke, she she actually doesn't mind Donald, so she doesn't <laughs> mind Donny. So you never know, I might be coming back. Little Donny might be on the cards pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, well, it teach a lot of resilience from a young age. Can you imagine <laughs> going to school and being Donald these days? You'd be absolutely slaughtered. And you uh, you obviously spent a bit of time North Melbourne bringing their father sons, and they do. I don't know what what do you do academies and yeah yeah. So what's was, that entail? They had like the father son academies. Um, they're a lot bigger now, but. Yeah, I just I'd go in and, and train there, maybe in the school holidays for a couple of days. Um, it ended up being um, so like when I was seventeen, Gold Coast had this thing called the mini draft, so they could pick up two players who were born between January and March um, in a year, and they could on trade them to clubs. And like my, on my birthday, like fit in there, so um, I had a little bit of interest from Gold Coast. So um, North came to me and said that like they wanted to sign me. So this was like the very start of my bottom age year. So like, I was pretty cool knowing that I was going to get drafted then. It probably didn't help too much with the schoolwork because knowing <laughs> you're going to get drafted took a little bit of pressure off. But um, but yeah, so from then, like I was just, yeah, I trained at the club like weekly, was getting uh, physio and, and my top age year, I ended up playing VFL for Werribee and um, did the full preseason Um with uh, North, like went to Utah with them, so got to meet all the boys, and yeah, it was a massive advantage going to my first year, sort of already knowing how North Melbourne play, already having a lot of um, friendships there, and um, yeah, I was able to sort of slot in, which was nice. Obviously, we all know you as Almac. Did the, did the boys back then they used to call you Almac even when you were a young fella coming up, or did they call you uh, KFC Crispy Lips? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> another story of resilience. <laughs> so when I was in like year nine, year ten, like I had horrific acne, like 
I think at one stage it would have had like 15 yellow heads on my head. <laughs> so I was rolling into school with that and mum always used to drop me off at school and I'll never forget one day she dropped me off and like I went to like kiss mum on the cheek and say, you know, thanks for, thanks, <laughs> like have a good day. And, and mum like, she wouldn't kiss me and she just goes, oh. She sideswiped She sideswiped me because I had that many yellow heads and she, um, but to her credit that day she called up uh, the dermatologist and um yeah, I uh, got on this got on this like pimple treatment, but like the thing was, it just dried me out. Like I was my like I my whole face like I get sunburnt really easy. My lips would like crisp up, something shocking, and like I'd smile and they'd crack and start bleeding. So yeah, I rolled into school and um, the boys were the boys were calling me KFC crispy lips. So <laughs> early days, I uh, yeah had to learn. <laughs> I got pretty resilient. I think it's served me well in my footy career. <laughs> Certainly, that's great. Obviously, coming into the AFL system, you're a high draft pick and it can be quite daunting coming in. You, you come in thinking you're this big superstar, which you have been when you're 17, 18, and all of a sudden you realise you're at the bottom of the barrel again. How did you go transitioning into AFL life? Uh, to be fair, like my first year, because uh, I had that year where I was playing at Werribee and I knew all the guys, Like I sort of um, I sort of felt like it was almost my second year, like slotting, slotting in. So I felt really ready. Um, and I played, played a lot of footy, I suppose it was more like the second year, um, in when, you know, I had a couple injuries, like wasn't playing as well as I was in my first year. And then like, you know, all those, <laughs> those same people that are like saying you're an absolute superstar are saying you're a spud. So <laughs> I think that was like, that second year was a big reality check for me. Um, and I learned a lot about like how, how hard it is this, like it arguably is like the hardest, hardest game in the world AFL. So, um, I think that second year was probably my big eye opener that it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't just all flow as, as you think it does when you come in as a high draft pick playing a lot early. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough, tough caper, but I think those, those like times when you are struggling, I reckon they're like the best times in your career because you learn so much. And I look back at a lot of the times in my career when like things haven't gone right and I look back and I'm like, thank God they happened because I was probably just cruising a bit. So, um, yeah, that second year was one of them. Yeah, for sure. So up until 2020, it was obviously, you were playing well, you're, you're getting a game each week and um, we then got shipped off to the hub and for a lot of us, it was a tough time. I really struggled. I'm one of those people that needs to be around my family, my friends and being stuck in the Gold Coast for a hundred days. I know yeah. it sounds, it might sound okay, but it's not. When you're locked in your room, you can't yeah. go to restaurants and eat. You can't sit on the beach. It was quite hard. You seemed to, to flourish in that environment. Yeah, it was, um, I, I suppose it was on the back of 2019 where I, I broke my ankle, um, late in the year and didn't have much of a preseason. And I was at that, I would think at the end of the next year, I was out of contract and yeah, I was like seven years in my career and I hadn't, hadn't really done too much and considering like I was a high pick and started so well. So yeah, I think I had a lot of really honest conversations with guys like uh, Reece Shaw, who, um, was, yeah, was like so good to me in, in saying like, just being honest about where I was at and, and what I needed to do to get better. So I felt like, um, yeah, a lot of like my mindset sort of changed going to the hub, um, started, started the year. Okay. And then obviously you went to the hub and I remember the first week in the hub, um, I was just like, oh, like. I just, I was like, what are, like, what are we doing here? I thought we were here for three weeks. And then remember like the AFL, like, no, you're going to be here for the rest of the year. And I reckon that first week, like everyone, I was sort of like, geez, this is like, I don't even know what to do. Like I was a bit rattled and feeling, I don't know why you immediately just feel a bit like sorry for yourself, even though you could have been stuck in, in Melbourne in oh, lockdown. Great. And, um, we're really lucky. Like we had, um, uh, we had this like, um, 
Zoom with Ricky Ponting. So he's a, he's a massive North man and um, he got on Zoom and he was telling us about when he was like 16, 17, 18, like touring with Australian sides, going through like India, Bangladesh and, and all these places. Um, and you got to think like he was doing this like 20 years ago. So like he was going through these places and didn't have a phone, like didn't have much contact with like the outside world. And um, yeah, he was just saying like how, yeah, like he's, if he felt sorry for himself, like those month long tours would have just gone forever. Whereas like each day he just like came in and was just like, this is where I'm at. Like I might as well make the most of it. And yeah, after that, I really, I really like took that, um, took that mindset. Like I was like, gee whiz, it could be worse. Like I'm on the Gold Coast. Like I could be locked at home. I could be like, I can't, not playing footy, not playing footy like not getting paid. Um, like I'm away with all, all the boys. My, my missus was up as well. Like, so and like I'm, I'm, I absolutely love the beach and love the weather. So we were, even though we weren't allowed to sit on the beach, we were allowed to go to the beach to swim. So, um, yeah, I just sort of had that mindset that like you know it is what it is. Like let's make the most out of it. And um, yeah, I was able to get into some good form and, and play some good footy. And uh, yeah, it was it was. I'd have got no doubt that it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had those chats with like Shory and realised where I'm at. And, and then also have that Zoom with Punner. Um, yeah, it was. It was a crazy year, but um, I think that it, yeah, I took so much out of it. I think in a professional environment, having those chats, like people need to give you, whether it's a reality check, whether it's a, a pump up or whatever it may be, they're important chats to have. I, I can say for like rats that we've got at the moment, like he's been great for me before he was head coach, just having that genuine person that I know cares for me and, and I can speak to about anything. And now that he's head coach, it's, it's made it a really nice transition. So I couldn't agree more with those little chats can go a long way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, even with like AFL careers, like, I mean, the average career is like three years and there's, there's things that like people probably need to hear in their first month and they probably wait, you know, six months, nine months to sort of get told things. So like, I think that's one thing, um, that yeah, you just, you just can't wait. You just, if you want to, if you want to get better, you got to go out and seek and find, get feedback. And it's not always going to be great feedback, but at least you know where you're at and you can do something about it instead of just, you know, dawdling through and, and not getting any better. So, um, yeah, feedback is always, is always good. I reckon. hundred percent. Even though at the time you're like, this isn't good. <laughs> this is when you reflect is good. I've got a little like two week rule. It's like, I try, I try to take two weeks because big things that trouble you. I mean, I've been in some trouble at times and I know for two weeks there, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm feeling miserable. Yeah. I've got regret. And it's like, I've tried to get this thing where I try and take two weeks down to two minutes. So I've just got to go, once I make a mistake for those two minutes, I just got to think to myself, okay, at the end of two weeks, this is all going to blow over. It's not going to be yeah. that bad. And I think it's really, really good for your mental space. Oh, 100%. In, in that moment, you're like, Jesus is never going to end, but then there's always something that comes up. The sun always <laughs> rises the next day, so you just got to find a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you spoke about getting through the hub was good with the boys, but before the hub, you had a little bit of a cool crew, you like to call yourself, <laughs> the cool crew. <laughs> you, Betty Jacobs, Tay Garner, Mag- Mitch Hippert, Mag- Magic Magic some, sometimes slide into that. Um, yeah, it's funny because uh, obviously I, I get into you boys about that these <laughs> days. It's, it's funny in a sense because – yeah, we're all we were all like you know that twenty one to twenty four, and we thought we were pretty cool. So thought thought like we started that cool crew, and then we've we've handed that over to you, Zerha, Kurt. So I always think like I'm a board member, always looking down on you boys. But <laughs> it is funny because now I'm twenty eight, I'm married, um, 
like the boys would be like talking and telling stories and I'll be like, I'll tell a story about like what I did back then. And then they're all like, yeah, sure. Like <laughs> they just think I've got absolutely no idea and that like I've never had fun in my life. You know what I mean? Like so quickly you just go from being like a part of like all the chats and you know, being involved in it all to like all of a sudden you're like this bloke who's got no idea. So it's uh, and I, don't know, I think that might come with being a leader as well. The voice, the, the, com- the, the conversations <laughs> go a little bit quieter around you when you walk in the rooms, which I thought that never happened. But um, but yeah, the old cool cool crew ran by you boys these days. It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I'll get a call from Kurt or Cam, and I'll oh yeah, this is exciting, and I'll answer. Whereas like I'll get a call from you or Jai, yeah. and as much as you like, you guys are great. I'll always be like, oh, what have I done? I have yeah. that. Quick 30 seconds. Go but, through the last two weeks. No, nothing. I'm all good. Hey, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <are you>, mate. <laughs> yeah, all going well. We uh, we were touched on the hub before, but you obviously had a great year. It got topped off by a Sid Barker medalist, which is, for those that don't know, is the best and fairest for North Melbourne. How how, was it, how did it feel to achieve that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, when you're playing, going through the year, obviously you don't you don't think about that stuff. It was more like we got home and um, the best and fairest was like, it was like pre-recorded at like 10 a.m. And um Obviously, I, I thought I was a sniff to win it, so um, I got I called up um, Dad and I said, "Oh, they're pre-recording it. Do you want to come over and like we'll just like we'll like watch it together?" And um, so yeah, like that was pretty cool, just like watching it with Dad. And then like when it all like finished and put the, put the laptop away, so weird <laughs> to say that, but um, yeah, like. Dad like cracked open a beer. It was like 10, 30, 11 in the morning. And we're just like, dad's like, oh, like I can't believe you just won the best and fairest. And I'm like, geez, I can't believe I did either. Cause you're <laughs> like, you grow up and you see like all these superstars, um, winning it at our club. Um, and you just like to think that like your names are alongside those. It's just, yeah, I think it's something you're going to think about more when you're finished, but, um, yeah, it's cool. It's just cool to be alongside those guys who you, who you idolize growing up, um, especially being just such a, a, a nuffy North Melbourne <laughs> fan. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And I mean, your name's etched in the history books forever, obviously when the Sid Barker, but then now also being named captain. Um, obviously we sat down, we had a vote. This is the first year actually where I've been at a club where we've done the vote and the players have done the vote and we've seen it all on the board. Usually you just hand in your piece of paper and who knows what the coaches yeah. do with it. Whereas this year it was yeah. Jaden, who's your votes? And I had to read out yeah. my votes and you were, you were the, the winning vote. You and Jai equal. So how did that, how'd that feel to get the recognition from your teammates? Yeah. Well, obviously it's awesome because, you know, as a player, all, all you ever want is um, respect from your teammates. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, how even with the media these days, there's so many people saying different things. But at the end of the day, like if your teammates respect you, coaches respect you and your family and you've got a great family, like that's that's all you need. Um, so, yeah, I've always been massive on what my what my teammates think of me and whether they want to play with me and, you know, how they respect me. So, yeah, to, we, I remember rolling in and I, I didn't really even know we were doing the vote that day. So, um yeah, it was obviously an awesome feeling um, to be up there with Jaiza, um, and then yeah, to to be captain. Um, you know, it's it's weird because I, I was I was captain of a lot of teams growing up, um, like captain of Vic Metro, and and you know when you get to a club, you always oh, like I aspired to be a leader and aspired to be a captain, and then you probably think it like I reckon there was like four or five years there where I just like was like the one, the guy who just missed out on leadership, like just kept missing out, just kept missing out. And yeah, I, it was at the time I was like, I really wanted to be in it. But then like, as I got older and um, Sean Higgins uh, was really, really good for me throughout this and Jamie McMillan as well. We had a lot of really honest conversations about like, 
you got to want people to want you in it and, and you know what I mean? And you just got to be yourself. Like don't try to be anyone else. As I said at the start, it's, it's too hard being being someone else. So I reckon, you know, 2018, 19, when I started really just, just, just embracing myself and embracing my strengths, that's when like all the boys, like their respect for you grows and it's funny how your footy starts getting better as well. So yeah, it's crazy to think I'm captain now, but um. But all, but at the end of the day, all, all I really want is for us to be a, a good side and to to play in big games like like I did in my first few years. Because I think going through what we've been through, if we were able to get it to like you know playing finals and ultimately chasing silverware, which is why we're all here, like that's that's what it's all about. And you know, being captain and winning a BNF is is all nice. And I know like people say this, but like. To imagine like holding up a premiership cup with like all you boys after everything we've been through, like that'd just be, yeah, that'd be unbelievable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I've, I'm someone who's come very close. I've come within yeah. five points of holding up that silverware. And at the time, probably didn't uh, take it in how how big of an achievement it was because my first year. But yeah. going through the last few years and seeing where we've been and how we are building the last five weeks has has been great. It's been a real great improvement. So um, I couldn't agree more with you. It's a testament to your character that success is what you want and a good reason why the boys would have voted you as our captain. And I couldn't, couldn't be happier with, with the decision that we made as a team. We'll switch over now to Ringers Western. They're obviously a great sponsor of the podcast. They, they help us out. They do some great stuff in the community. I've got the hat on. You've actually worn your Ringers Western jacket Got some today. nice jackets. Yeah. Yep. You get that one for free. Well, it's, I actually didn't get given it for free <laughs> from Andrew, the Ringers man. I actually... Went around to Griff Logue's house and we we're just getting a coffee and he's just like, oh, mate, do you want to try this jacket on? Like, doesn't fit me. And anyway, I chucked it on. I was like, gee, this is probably the best jacket I've got. So, uh, yeah, mate, it's beautiful, the old ringer's jacket. So I'm going to be, I might have to hit him up to get a couple more. Yeah, well, he's always willing to help. And like I said before, they do some amazing stuff. And uh, one of the questions we like to ask um, in honour of, of Ringers West, I suppose, is have you done any camping? Obviously, you're a Q boy don't venture too far from the CVD, but have I done any camping? Yeah, well, I mean, at school, um, so into Trinity, like we used to do this thing called Leopard Leaders, where um, you like it was just um, camping course, and like in year ten, you you like take a group of year sevens like away camping for like a week, and like obviously your staff would come and go, but like you'd have to like set up the camp, like you'd have to like cook all the food and you'd have to like hike and carry all the food and stuff with you. So you're cooking on the little transies, yeah, the silver little, pots. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I look back at it now and I'm like, geez, like I can't believe like they trusted us to do that. So like, and I didn't get sick. So <laughs> did a little bit at school, but um, my wife, Brooke, like she's massive on like, um, she was always massive on, I don't know if this is camping, but she's like getting a van and like and driving and going alongside because she's from Port Macquarie, like, loves the beach. I love the beach so a lot. Love all the coastal towns. So after that hub year, we actually got a van and um, drove from Sydney all the way up to Port Macquarie and saw all, like, all the little towns in there and stayed along the beach. And um, yeah, it was it, it's funny now because like we were so, so keen to do it and we we're like, this is going to be unbelievable. And like she had a great time, but like there was times where I was like, geez, I'd love to be in a hotel here. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, we did New Zealand. I was lucky enough when I was a kid, mum and dad took us out of school for a month or so and we went travelling in a Winnebago. Is that you talking about Winnebago? Yeah, no, the, it was actually like, it was a, it was genuinely a, like a van. Oh, genuinely it a wasn't, van. It wasn't a Winnebago, like oh, it was a van. It's a little bit different. We did New Zealand in a Winnebago. <laughs> I thought it was one of the best holidays I've ever done, like yeah. just hopping up above the, the roof of the the cockpit or whatever it's called yeah. where you drive, yeah, like yeah. the bed up there. And, oh, yeah, that would have been, been good. An amazing thing, a great way to get around and- 
And two, have you done any fishing? Uh, yeah, so done a, done actually a fair bit of fishing because I've got a holiday house in Port Ferry. So, um, yeah, we like every every Christmas we'd go down there for two weeks and, and Dad's best mate, um, his name's Michael Hearn. So he he's he always used to take me fishing, me and Dad fishing because Dad's got a little uh, a cooter boat, um, a wooden cooter boat oh, down beautiful. there on the, on the river, the Moyne River. So, yeah, I love getting down there and – Dad, like dad is a terrible fisherman. Like, I don't know what he does. He must scare the fish away because he never catches anything. <laughs> but Mick was all right. And uh, mum, uh, dad and, and the Hearns actually, they they owned a fish shop down in Port Ferry. So did a, uh, did a fair bit of fishing. I don't know if they ever made it to the shop, the fish they caught. But um, yeah, enjoy fishing. And I've been fishing with Cunners a fair bit. Um, one time, I'll never forget, he took me out. Uh, he took me and Jack Billings. Um, so Jack's best mate who plays the Saners. He took us out... Um, like tuna trawling and um anyway we caught up we got like a hold of this like six foot tuna like Cunners reckons it was like that big like and we were chasing it for like two hours I swear to God I was driving the boat Cunners was pulling it in and then we'd swap we'd everyone was pulling it in pulling it in pulling it in and um anyway every time we'd give the rod to Jack we'd lose like two hundred meters just because <laughs> he had the city hands and he was no good and Cunners didn't know Jack too well so he couldn't tell him but yeah. we ended up pulling the fish like alongside the boat and then. Just lost it. So I don't know how we were going to get it so on the boat So you got it for 200 anyway. metres and then yeah. lost it with Mate, a metre to go. Yeah. we list, No, you don't understand. We chased <laughs> it for like two and a half hours, like I swear. And like I had blisters on my hands, like Cunners' hands were just fine because he had the country hand, not the city <laughs> hands. But um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. No, that's amazing. It's always good getting out in the boat and having a few tins and sitting back relaxing. There's not much more else you can do out there, I suppose. No, Absolutely. Uh, thanks again to Ringers Western. Uh, if you haven't already, head to ringerswestern.com. Try out one of the jackets that Luke's wearing. Looks amazing. He always looks sharp, this man, actually. So surprised surprise he doesn't have his turtleneck on. Yeah, I, it hasn't been out in a while, the turtleneck, because I always used to have like Josh Walker just hyping me up saying, mate, you've got to whip out the turtle, and I'd always bring the turtle, especially to defender dinners. But, yeah, it's due, isn't it? And obviously, as you said before, you, you're getting on. You're 28 now. You know, <laughs> you're probably you're in the primary career, but – You've got to start looking towards what life after footy looks like and you and your old man have set up McDonald Management. Run us through what that entails. Yeah, so um, dad, mum and dad have always been massive in me just to like, be prepared for like whatever happens in footy because you never know with injuries and, and form and everything, it can be a pretty short career. So um, yeah, dad, dad and I had been speaking for years about starting this little um, events company because uh, Dad working in the commercial space has just met so many people and through footy it opens so many doors uh, for you to meet people and I reckon once you're done footy like a lot of those doors probably close. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, the main aim was um, – so the, the companies, we, we've got a corporate suite at the MCG which we on sell. Uh, like that's that's the main part of it but we also do um, – do clinics. So yeah, we've, we've got a relationship with the Yarra Junior Footy League and, and, uh, Camwell Sharks where we run all their, all their Oz kick, all their footy clinics. Um, actually going to a clinic there today after this. So they're the, they're the main parts of it, but we, we just do little events as well. So we've done events, um, throughout the spring racing carnival, uh, events around, uh, the boxing day tests. So a lot of people we know, we just sort of, use our contacts to like facilitate these events and uh, the other side of our business is is the management side. So we uh, we manage Meg Harris who um, is an Olympic uh, gold medalist, world record holder. Um, so yeah, 
sort of dipping the toe in that space, not sure where that'll let, uh, go, whether that goes into footy management or other sports. Um, it's still, yeah, we, we only started two years ago. So at the moment it, it's more around the event side and maybe that management side might grow a bit over, over the journey, especially um, just because I've, you know, been through so many different things throughout footy and I, I feel like I've got a good grasp of what people, uh, players want. So, um, yeah, that's that's where it's at at the moment and uh, it's, I think it's awesome. Um, even like you doing this podcast, it's just so good having something outside of footy so that when you leave the club, um, you've got something to dig your teeth into instead of going home and, and thinking about footy. 100% and probably a good little shout out to anyone out there listening. If you, you want a fully catered box at the at the footy, cricket, wherever it may be at the MCG, uh, hit up McDonald Management and he'll give you uh expensive price. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'll give you a 5% up, uptake if you re- mention reminisce, but it's actually been going, um, it's been going off lately because obviously Taylor Swift's coming to town. So there's a lot of people chasing the sweep for that. Like we had Ed Sheeran. So it's, it's literally any event at the MCG. So it's a footy cricket, um, you know, soccer games every now and then. And, um, the, yeah, the events, they're getting very popular. <laughs> Is that where you see your life going after footy? Is there anything else you want to dip your toes into? Yeah, well, I, I like I really enjoy, I've really like love footy. So like I'm, you know, not everyone's a footy tragic who plays, but like I genuinely enjoy watching footy and um, don't mind. Um, so I, I've thought a little bit about coaching, about like getting because I you got to love seeing like guys get better. So um, enjoy that. I uh, haven't thought too much ahead if that's what I want to do, but I definitely really want to have this uh, business with dad. So. You know, I'm 28 now. Who knows how long I got left? But hopefully, when I'm finished, it's at a stage where um, you know I can step in and and get it get a good wage. But um, it's going all right. Like we just hired my little sister Sally, so she's she's jumping on board the McDonald management and events. So yeah, it's it's awesome just having that family run business as well because like. Yeah, it just it means like I speak to dad every day, like about you know we'll start talking about work and then it'll end up talking about footy and you know our mum's breaking his balls and like seriously. And this like, is two blokes that can do a lot of yeah, talking. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I speak to him for like 45 minutes and I'm like, geez, what do we even just talk about? But I'm very lucky to have that relationship with him. And you touched on it before, but you, you've just gotten married recently and um, your wife, Brooke, you've um, bought, a, bought a house as well. Yeah. Everything's sort of looking good for family life. How's, how's that all been? Yeah, yeah. So we got married um, up in the Gold Coast last year. So we're so lucky because it was raining a fair bit up there. And the week that we sort of went up there, um, it was just like the weather was unbelievable. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome few days. Um, yeah, it was it was good. We, we actually never never had a honeymoon though. So she's been been getting into me a bit about that. So I think we might be going to Europe this year to for a little honeymoon at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it's all going good. Got a house together, lived together for a few years now and her family's up in Port Macquarie. So, um, it's good. It's good when they come down and, and, uh, her parents are like, like they're like so handy. So like if I ever have any issue with wrong with my house, like I come down and like bang, they're all over it. So, um, yeah, a little shout out to the Port Macquarie crew out there. They're uh, massive. They've been so good and it's good. Like, I think that's the thing when you, when you get into like, Obviously, me and Brooke are married now, but like how your family just grows to include all them, and like you just, yeah, it's been awesome getting up to port and seeing all them. And you've got your little dog, Billy. Yeah, little Bill. So he's a miniature dachshund, <laughs> long hair. So he's five years old now. Um, he looks a bit like a wombat. He gets fat shame that much, but I actually <laughs> think he's in not bad nick. I think it's just the fluff. But uh, but yeah, it's he's uh, he's a very loyal dog. Is that a uh, is that a little tester for something that's about to come? Are you thinking about 
Jeez, you got a little Donny. The heavy, heavy eating questions here. <laughs> um, oh, look, it's uh, you know when you get married, you know those those questions start to come. So um, you look, I'm only 28, Brooks 31. So yeah, we'll just see what happens. Oh, beautiful. Well, it sounds like family life's treating you well, and um, I'm sure that the future will be bright, and I'm sure you'd make a great father in the future. Before we leave, we'll touch back on the footy. Obviously. The people watching, the North Melbourne fans want to know what it's like at the moment. And like I touched on earlier, I think the last five weeks has been amazing. We've been in every game where we're losing by small margins. And although losing is not what we want, it's certainly an improvement to getting blown out of the water in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think I think the last few weeks have been um, yeah really encouraging. Considering uh, you know we started the year really well, and then probably that patch there where we didn't play anywhere near to our potential. And and the last five six weeks we've been been really competitive and in games and, and um, yeah, just lost a couple by really small margins. So I think like um, the bye came at a really good time for us because it was, it really allowed us to be like, look, we're actually, we're getting better. We're, we're growing as a team and we're starting to play the footy we want to play, but we're not satisfied with where we're at because at the end of the day, we, we still haven't been winning. And that's the sort that's a culture we want to start creating, especially with all these young guys coming through that are really, really driving the, driving the standards and, and really, really want to get better. So um, I think it's a really exciting time, especially the next couple of weeks. We've got a, a couple of really big games coming up in, in Adelaide and Adelaide and then Geelong and Geelong. So a really good test for, for our young group to really see where we're at, but um, yeah, I'm really excited. Especially, I know we mentioned Cheese before, but him, uh, him and Wardlaw, and and you know, you've seen Will Phillips really start to develop. So, um, you know, those guys are they're the future of the club, and we've got so many young guys that I think fans uh, are going to be so excited to watch for for many years to come. And it also helps that LDU might be slotting back this week as well. He's pretty handy. Yeah, LDU back, LDU backs a, a huge in, and I couldn't agree with more with you. The the future looks really bright. These young kids, they're coming in, they're good people, they're good footballers, and they work hard. So they've sort of got the recipe for success there. And hopefully, we are uh, we continue to grow and finish off these last eight or nine weeks well. We've actually got tomorrow Kangalotto. So Kangalotto's little yeah. North Melbourne thing that we do that you've run for a while. Run the listeners through what what yeah. Kangalotto is. So Kangalotto. So it's it started like. I don't even know when it started, but in my first year, I lost Kangalotto like three or four times um, and had head shaves and like had the most horrific head. So pretty much what it is, is every single player, it's changed a bit over the journey. We've, I've just made a few adjustments to it recently just so we get a bit more buying because it was getting it was getting a bit ugly there. So pretty much we every single player puts in $50 and um, they get their name on a ball and it gets put in like literally like the lotto, like you know when you're doing tax lotto wheel. yeah so we're just spinning that spin like that and there's there's two balls in there um one of them's a head shave ball and one of them is a mystery ball which you know I'd sort of make up well that'll be on the day last time it was someone at the work um Cal Dawson lost it he had to wear a club <laughs> suit into the club and go to enter functions for two weeks so just something annoying like that and and the head shave ball went to Arch so but Arch he paid he paid out so he was that worried I think he'd just become single. So he was that worried about having a shaved head that he paid like 500 bucks to get out of it. So, um, yeah, it's all about raising money for dinners and, and things we do as a, as a team. But um, in the past, yeah, the buyout's been, you know, you could put 50 in and 100 to buy out. So we'd end up with a lot more money, but then you'd end up with 10 balls in there and it's all like Aiden Core, Ben Cunnington, Bailey Scott. Have already got shaved so, heads. so no one even cares. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like now... 
Like I could genuinely have a shaved head. Jai could genuinely shave his head. Like Zerha could genuinely shave his head. You could shave your head. So I think it's created a little bit more excitement. Even though me, me and Cam run it, and there is there is quite a big integrity issue it's with certainly, that. Certainly rigged at times. But uh, I think that's all part of it. And then. The other one is, so that's the first draw and the second draw is just the first year. So I think people might have noticed, you know, Blake Drury had his head shaved. Um, Harry Sheasel Griffin had Logue his at the head start shaved. Of the year. Griffin Loke had his head shaved. But the one thing I will say about how we get these young blokes with a head shave, I reckon seven out of 10 blokes whose heads we shave, they, they keep their hair short. Like Josh Groder had long hair. Shaved his head. Now he's now it's short, and he loves it. Perez, exact same. Yep. So um, there's a lot of guys who shave their head, and it's actually doing them doing them justice. So uh, I think Angelotto is. I think it's awesome just for everyone, just creates a bit of excitement and um, I think it's something that we do really well and it just adds to that culture that we're trying to create where everyone's all in and and coming to the club and loving it. And as I said, at the start, like this is how we're feeling now when we're not playing as well. Like imagine when we really turn and like how good the environment's going to be. So yeah, it's exciting times. That's it. And in turn, like it's funny, we get a good laugh out of it, but we also raise money to put towards team dinners and that sort of stuff yeah. to help bond the team together. And um, it's a great initiative from whoever started it. And obviously you and Bull are running at the moment. So it's always something I look forward to whenever it's run. And um, I actually paid paid early this time. So yeah. I had 50 bucks fair cash about a month ago and said, here paid you go. Early. I've never seen that in, <laughs> in all my years of Kangalotto. Someone invests in early, but he's smart. He got in early. So there's always issues about blokes paying on time. So it's good to get it early. All right, I can't let you leave, Luke, without asking you a question I ask all my guests. You're having your next big birthday, the your 30th, that'd be for you, 31st. 20, 29, then 30, <laughs> so I'm, I'm still 28. Yeah, so your next big birthday and you've got money isn't an issue and you've got two time slots. So there's you get a musician and bands to come and yep. you need one musician to play 7 till 10 and one 10 till late. So you obviously want to warm up the crowd and want to really get the crowd going. Who are, who are the two acts you'd, you'd get to play? Um, well, it sounds like a job for McDonald management to chase up these <laughs> these artists, but uh, I think we'd start off with with uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay just to really, really get the get the crowd going, and then finish off with um, it was actually the last song at our wedding, um, Taylor Swift love story. So just finish off with Taylor Swift just going off. So I think that that'd be the go. Okay, you reckon you got Taylor Swift from ten till late? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon we could get her. That's I'm telling you, that is what McDonald management brings. That's our point of difference. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, yeah, very, very different answers to ones we've had before. But I'm sure at midnight I'll be happy listening to a bit of. Uh, You'll be listening to Taylor Swift crying Swift. with your arm around the boys. So you'll love it, mate. <laughs> no, beautiful. Well, thanks again for coming on, Luke. Obviously, um, you're a great teammate. I touched on it at the start, but. The person you are is an amazing person. You you genuinely care for everyone. When I was coming to the club, uh, you were probably the person I spoke to the most when I was in that trade period. You're yeah. messaging, yeah, come, it's good. Uh, took took us out and played golf. Like you were just amazing yeah. in the whole process, and that friendship's grown since then. And I couldn't respect you uh, any higher. So thank you again for coming on, mate. I, I really appreciate it. No, no worries. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you again uh, to Braden and Roland Media. Obviously, it wouldn't be possible. Uh, without Braden, he obviously does a great job here with his van and um, everyone that steps into it is very surprised with, with how amazing it is. And once again, to Ringers Western, if you haven't already, head to ringerswestern.com and, and check out their range. they got everything from uh, loose casual to, to fancy dress, everything. They, they can sort you out for any occasion, so just head over there and check that out and um, make sure you get in there and help out on our socials, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, leave a like, 
share it, leave a rating, all that sort of stuff. It would be really greatly appreciated and helps me continue to, to bring out episodes like this one today. So thanks again, guys, and we'll see you on the next one. 